Okay, I'll invite you to take your seat. Uh, We have a special treat this morning. Last fall, Pastor Daniel Grothy and I uh, were working on our doctorate together, and uh, our doctoral cohort uh, took a trip to the United Kingdom for a writer's tour of Great Britain. It was so much fun. And uh, our classmates, uh, we were allowed to bring a spouse with us if that worked for our schedules and financially and all that. One of our classmates, Kelly Key, uh, brought her husband, Brian, and we got to spend a week or so in the UK with Brian Key. And this dude, man, we just like fell in love with this guy right away. Just felt like you're one of our guys. And Brian uh, was a church planter in Kansas City for about 16 years or so, helped raise a really beautiful church uh, out of the dirt. And now he's teaching at a seminary out east. And this is a man who loves God and loves the Bible and believes that the gospel, the beauty and the power of the gospel being put in front of the church is the best possible thing that can happen to the church. And so he's here this morning to preach for us. Would you please give a warm New Live East welcome to Pastor Brian Key. Bless your name. Well, New Life family, it is an honor to be here with you this morning. Good morning. I think this is going to work. It might not work. It'll be fine. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Hey, um... As Andrew said, my name is Brian. I'm uh, just honored to be here with you. I met Daniel and Andrew several months ago, and it was just brotherhood immediately. I'm so thankful for them and thankful for, to have a chance. We have another music brother, stand. Brother. Look at God. I got you. Won't he do I it? Won't he do it? Um, <laughs> but it is an honor and a privilege to worship together with you. And by the way, I love hearing the saints sing, so thank you for that. That was good for my soul this morning. Um, so I'm honored to be here to share God's word with you. If you have your Bibles, would you open them with me? to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You've been in the Sermon on the Mount, and I am just jumping in with you guys. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. And it reads, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The grass withers and the flower fades but the word of our God shall stand forever. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm asking right now that you would come and comfort us by your word, confront us by your word, and conform our hearts to the truth of your word by the power of your spirit. And I ask you to do that, God, because I can't. I can't do that in my own life, and I can't do that in the lives of your people here present with us today. And so living God, would you come and move by your spirit transform hearts, grant faith, grant repentance, grant comfort, grant joy, grant healing today in our midst. And God, as I preach your word, I ask that you would keep me in tune with you and that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer and all God's people said. Amen Amen and amen. Well, the year was 1993. Dolores Van Cartier gets a phone call from her dear friends, that they need a new teacher. And so Dolores Van Cartier takes on her other name, Sister Mary Clarence, and goes to help at an inner city school that is failing. By now, if you haven't picked up, I'm talking about the movie Sister Act 2. And Dolores Van Cartier gets there, and and she's in the classroom, and one of her co-teachers said, hey, welcome to this classroom. You are now the mayor of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a terrible place. The students were out of hand. The school was in a, in a mess. And after a couple of really difficult days, Sister Mary Clarence scratches on the board. She says, it's a brand new day here. 
It's a brand new day here. And what she was telling to her students was that a new reality had broken in and everything was about to change. They were going to have to orient their life around what she wanted and what she desired for this class. The world for them was about to change. As you get into the Sermon on the Mount. That's the setting in in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. A new world is broken in, Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 4. He says that in fulfillment of all the prophecies of God in Isaiah chapter 9, that light has shone in and that the king has come. The king has come. and And Jesus says, after Matthew quotes that prophecy, he says, hey, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God is on the move here. And in chapters 5 through 7, Jesus begins to share what his kingdom is about. And it, it starts with a sort of uh, a set of paradoxical statements, this preamble, the, the Beatitudes, right, where, where Jesus says uh, things that run counter to the way we see the world. I loved how Pastor Andrew shared a few weeks ago that Jesus is defining for us who is in a favored position with God. That's what Jesus is doing. He commends people that our value systems would never, ever commend. And, and it's hard because it, it, it just doesn't make sense in the second beatitude because he says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. There's something about our hearts when we hear these words about mourning, we just get uncomfortable, right? It grates against us like blessing and mourning, that doesn't make sense to us. We're uncomfortable with tears. Maybe you're the kind of person who when you see someone begin to cry, you try to get away from the situation or try to like fix it immediately because you're just uncomfortable with the mourning. Or maybe you're the kind of person who tries to medicate the pain of mourning away. The great cultural prophet Solange Knowles says in her song, Cranes in the Sky, that I tried to drink it away. I tried to dance it away. I tried to change it with my hair. She says, I tried to shop my way through it. I tried to sex my way through it. I tried to sleep my way through it. I tried to read my way through all of the pain. She was like, I I couldn't get away from it. And she's talking about how we try to build up a world around us where we can insulate ourselves from the pain around us. Or maybe you're just a good Christian person and you opt for the saccharine sentimentality that, that some Christians offer in, the, in a time of difficulty. How are you doing, brother? How are you doing, sister? I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. Hey, you cried yourself to sleep last night and you cried yourself to sleep every night for the last several months. We don't have to put on the, the, the show and try to hide ourselves or pretend that, that, we're, that we're not in the middle of it. In fact, Jesus lets us know today that, that that mourning is actually the pathway to the blessedness that we claim. It's not through hiding away from the pain. It's from embracing and owning that I am in pain right here, right now. Blessed are those who mourn. In other words, Jesus is trying to let us know that if we find ourselves in mourning right here, right now, there's no need to bury it. There's no need to medicate it away. There's no need to opt for saccharine sentimentality. If that's you today, Jesus looks you in the face and says, blessed are those who mourn. As we look at this text today, I think what Jesus is inviting us to hear this morning is that mourning is the threshold to comfort in the kingdom of God. Mourning is the threshold to comfort in the kingdom of God. I want to look at this text in two parts, and I'll be out of your way this morning. I want to talk about the pervasiveness of mourning, the pervasiveness of mourning. And then I want to consider with you the promise of comfort, the promise of comfort. Let's look at this pervasiveness of mourning. 
Uh, when you come to the Sermon on the Mount, it's helpful to keep the context in mind who Jesus is talking to. These were a people waiting and longing for the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, waiting and hoping that God would fulfill his promises. Things were difficult for him. Now, mind you, if you look back in their history, they are a people who had seen God break in miraculously in the Exodus. God came down himself, delivered them through just miracle after miracle, crippled a dynasty, carried them through the promised land, and settled them there. They had known the delivering power power of God before. But in their rebellion and in their sin and in their idolatry, they turned away from the living God and God sent them away into exile in Assyria and in Babylon. And though they were no longer in exile, they're still not free. They're under oppression of Roman rule. These were a people well acquainted with mourning, well acquainted with asking questions like, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And into that question, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. But, but the, we, we can go beyond reasons for their, their historical mourning. The Bible gives us larger, bigger reasons for there to be mourning in the world. In Genesis chapter 3, since that time, since Adam and Eve took that bite of that fruit and rebelled against God, human beings have been in rebellion against God, separated from God. We are alienated from God, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And the scriptures tell us that in that place, we deserve the wrath of God and separation from him forever. It's a cause for mourning. It's a cause for mourning. And not only that, we've multiplied that with sin and unrighteousness and harm and abuse and injustice to one another throughout the history of the world. There is ample reason for mourning. And if that's not enough, sin brought with it another party, death. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 25 that death is like a veil spread over all of humanity, all of the nations, the heaviness that sits on us. And into that, Jesus says, blessed are those that mourn. See, to mourn, family, is to embrace reality. To mourn is to say, hey, we have ample reason for mourning. This is a time of brokenness. This is not the way things are supposed to be. But Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. But we don't have to talk historical and theological only like there's suffering in this room right here, right now. Some of you have maybe gotten a crushing health diagnosis or some of you have maybe lost a loved one in a tragic accident. Some of you are maybe going through difficulty and in your marriage right here, right now, on the brink of divorce or on the other side of divorce and are wondering where is the comfort in the middle of all of this. And into that, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. I became a dad for the first time 14 years ago. We've, got, we've had three daughters. I've got an 11-year-old and 8-year-old back home. But my oldest daughter, Olivia Grace, was born 14 years ago. And throughout her life, we started off, we had a month in the NICU. And from that point on, we had health issue after health issue come up. She had seizure disorders, heart defects, lung issues. We were in and out of the hospital for three plus years with my little girl. And in the middle of all that, I preached a sermon towards the end of her life. She was on hospice. And the psalm for the day was Psalm 137, verse 4. And in the, in the, in the middle of that psalm, verse 4 says, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land. It's a pertinent question for us because we were about to lay our little girl to rest just a couple of weeks later, and yet Jesus looked into that and says, blessed 
are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, mourning, mind you, is different from complaining. Mourning is different from complaining. Paul David Tripp says it like this. He says there's only two responses that we can have to the brokenness that complicates our lives, cursing or mourning. And he says that we curse what we have to deal with because it makes our life harder than we want it to be. But cursing is about our comfort, our pleasure, our ease. Cursing, he says, is fundamentally self-centered. But mourning is a much better response. Mourning embraces the tragedy of the fall. Mourning acknowledges that the world is not the way God meant it. Mourning cries out to God's redeeming and restoring hand. Mourning acknowledges the suffering of others. Mourning is about something bigger than the fact that life is hard. Mourning grieves what sin and death have done to the cosmos and longs for the Redeemer to come and set his broken world and make it new again. Mourning then, he says is a response prompted by grace. Mourning is a response prompted by grace. Jesus looks into the eyes of those suffering, longing people on that mountain, and he looks into the eyes of the suffering, longing, and mourning people in this room right here, right now, and says, blessed are they that mourn. Again, family, Jesus is inviting us to see that mourning is the threshold into comfort in the kingdom of God. Mourning is the threshold into comfort in the kingdom of God. Let's move now and consider the promise of comfort. The promise of comfort. Several years ago, during Advent season, I was reading with my now 11-year-old, the the Chronicles of Narnia. We were reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe at the time. And there's a scene early in that book where the the Pevensey children are meeting with Mr. Beaver and his wife and having dinner. And, And Narnia has been covered in this unrelenting winter. But Mr. Beaver said this one line. He said, but Aslan is on the move, they say. They say Aslan is on the move. And, and when, he, when he says that, C.S. Lewis says that at the name of Aslan, something jumped inside of the children. It's like the feeling of spring. Something jumped inside. They didn't know what it was, but something leapt inside of them. That's the kind of feeling, by the way, when these people who were longing for a move of God would have heard that beatitude. That's the feeling that would have jumped in them when they heard the, the whole beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, maybe that sounds like a nice little proverbial statement to you, but for these people who are waiting on the promises of God, longing to hear a word from God, who are waiting for the promised king, this would have set something off in their hearts. Something would have jumped in them because Isaiah 61, Isaiah says that there's a servant coming, a king coming, who's going to say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointing me to preach good news to the poor. And he goes on and talks about the great promises of this good king who is yet to come. It is the testimony of the promised Messiah, the one that God's people were longing for, the one who was going to set the world to rights, who was going to bring healing and restoration and freedom for the mourning people of God. And he go, the passage goes on in verses 2 and 3 and says this. Listen to it. He says, he's going to come. This servant, this king is going to come to comfort all who mourn to grant comfort to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Sound familiar? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be 
comforted. Well, well how can we be sure, Jesus? How, what, what are you saying to me? He's saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the king is on the move. The king is on the move. In Jesus the Messiah, God has brought the comfort of heaven down to the mourning people of God and begun to set the world to right. And did you hear that passive verb at the end of that? They shall be comforted. Not they're going to comfort themselves. Not they're going to be able to purchase comfort or medicate away comfort or hide from comfort and feel okay in a moment. They shall be comforted through Jesus the realities of the kingdom have broken in to heal everything that has been broken by sin and death to meet us in the middle of our mourning and bring what one scholar calls a, a comprehensive cosmic renewal. A comprehensive cosmic renewal. Family mourning is the threshold to comfort in the kingdom of God because it prepares our hearts for the coming of the king prepares our hearts for the coming of the king. And Jesus alone can give you the comfort that you so desperately long for. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You hear that word, shall? That's a word of promise. That's a word of promise. And I say promise in the biblical sense of the word promise. See, all of us have been the recipients of broken promises. Many of us have, have suffered from a string of broken promises our entire life. And when we hear a promise, we are trained to be like, mm, we'll see. I'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see if that actually comes around and comes to pass because we want to insulate ourselves against the pain of the possibility of a broken promise. So when someone says we shall, we're like, eh, we'll see. But family, can I Help your hearts today and settle your hearts today. When God says shall, God intends to do it. When God makes a promise, family, God is setting a new reality on the other side of the reality that you now live in, that you will meet in his perfect timing, and he shall come to pass. And he's able to do that because of what he says about himself. And I say, he says, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient time, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. When God speaks, you can count as good as done. As soon as God speaks, a new reality is spoken into your future. Jesus says you can count it as good as done right here, right now. One New Testament scholars sums it up this way, saying that the promise of they shall be comforted is the announcement of divine intervention to remove the cause of mourning, the time of remorse, of disenfranchisement, of loss and bereavement. It's over, he says, because God will act on behalf of those who turn to him in order to restore that relationship. So how is Jesus comforting us right here and right now, and what kind of comfort does the kingdom have to offer us into the future? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. First place that God has brought comfort close to us in the king who has come is that he's met us in the morning of our sin. 
He's met us in the mourning of our sin. For those who are mourning the depth of your sin today, the good news is that Jesus Christ has come to live the perfect sinless life that you and I never could live, to die the death that you and I deserve to die, so that by faith in him we could be made right with God and know the forgiveness of God and the grace of God and the comfort of God in the middle of where we live right now. We can know his forgiveness and be reconciled to him forever through Christ Jesus. That's good news, right? That's good news, family. And it, and it gets even better as you, as you read the scriptures and see what God has done. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that God planned for our redemption before the foundation of the world, which means for you, saint, sweet saint, which means for you that God planned to save you long before the creation of the world. Before he had set a world up for you to live in, he said, mine over your life. And then in the middle of history, Jesus Christ come, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, to purchase our redemption right now. In Ephesians chapter 2, he says that now we are seated with him in the heavenly places. We have been raised up with Christ. And it's not just that we know his grace right now. He has immeasurable riches of grace and kindness towards us in Christ to show us in the coming ages. God has brought his comfort close in the presence of our sin family. That's good news. And I love, I have to tell myself and remind myself of these promises often because if you're in Christ Jesus, here's what's true of you right now. Here's a word of comfort for you from Romans chapter 8. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And not only that, you are now a son and daughter of the living God. You have the spirit on you right now, in you, reminding you that you belong to God. And not only that, that same spirit is interceding for you right now on your behalf before the throne of God. And not only that, if God is for us, who can be against us? And not only that, there is literally nothing in all of creation that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin and turn to Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're mourning because you're still struggling with that same sin that just keeps plaguing your life. And you're trying to medicate that pain away by doing penance, doing penance and trying to earn your way into comfort, try to comfort yourself by God, I'm really trying. You don't have to do that in Christ Jesus. Because 1 John 1, 9 says that if you confess your sins, not work your way out of your sins, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you're mourning over sin present in your life today, comfort is found in faith and repentance and confession today. Jesus brings his comfort close for our sin right here, right now, but you move beyond our sin and our eternal hope that, that comes with our salvation and you move into the present. We have comfort right now because the king has come close. That's good news, isn't it? In the middle of um, walking with Olivia and, and loving on her, uh, we had sang Great Is Our Faithfulness at our church one Sunday and I, I was wrestling with that song and I, I sang it to her most of her life to uh, put her to bed at night. And um, I was wrestling with that text and I said, I said, God, where's that, where's that text? And I looked to Lamentations chapter 3. And in Lamentations chapter 3, you hear mourning in the middle of difficulty. Mourning that sounds like he's made my teeth to grind on gravel. He's made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace and I've forgotten what happiness is. And so I say, my endurance has perished, but so has my hope from the Lord. Mourning right in the middle of difficulty right here, right now. But, but... 
But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Jeremiah says, I'm hurting right now, God. But you know what? When I turn it on, when I, when I realize who is caring for me, I realize that your steadfast love is with me right here, right now in this moment. And when I read that word, steadfast love, I said, God, where else is that in the scriptures? And I went over to the Psalms. Steadfast love, God's covenant faithfulness, his commitment to fulfill his promises to his people is all over the Psalms. And then as I was reading the Psalms, I started realizing that God is spoken of as refuge and rock and fortress. But there's something that you need to hear today. It's not just that he's a rock and a refuge and a fortress. David often says he's my rock and my fortress, and my refuge, which means that he knows the comfort of God personally, not as a theological concept far off, but right in the middle of his circumstances. He knows it right here, right now. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, right? And in the middle of the worst of times, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. He says, my shepherd's a with me kind of shepherd, even in the worst of times. And the valley is a through place and not a two place in the hand of my shepherd. God comforts us right here and right now. But that comfort family extends to the future. And I'm, I'm in my seat. You think about the future comfort that comes as a result of the resurrection. The first year after Olivia passed away, the first Easter service, I, I love Easter, it's my favorite day of the year, but the first Easter service, one of our pastors at our church walked up to me and said, I bet you've never sang that hard in your life on Easter. I said, no, I haven't. I haven't sang that hard because the resurrection of Jesus' family is the answer to the question, how can we sing the Lord's song in this current day, in the middle of our morning? How can we keep singing the Lord's song? Family, we keep singing because he got up. We keep singing because he got up. We keep singing because even in the face of death, he overcame the grave and overcame sin. He got up, and because he got up, family, death has a death date. Death has a death date. Because he got up, family, he's able to say, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And in that day, when we receive his final fullness of comfort, we'll be able to sing with all the saints from all the ages, death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? And because of that future hope of the resurrection, we can live faithfully and endure difficulty right here, right now, with the audacity of resurrection hope. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Even at the worst moment, the worst that death and sin have to throw it as Paul looks at it, as he's in the middle of suffering himself for the gospel, and he says, it's light momentary affliction. Light momentary affliction. He says, I've got something coming that is going to turn all this upside down. One scholar says it, that, that the resurrection hope that we have makes all of our difficulties seem like tiny storms in a tiny teacup in light of the weight of eternal. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be 
comforted family. Jesus is on the move, and he's got resurrection hope for you right here, right now. It's the kind of comfort our souls long for, the kind of comfort that makes our hearts leap like those children in the line, the witch in the wardrobe, when we hear that Jesus is on the move, and everything that is broken in our world will be set right at that dinner. As Mr. Beaver tells them that Aslan is on the move, they, they, he tells them everyone who's faced off with the white witch has, has been turned into stone. And they say, well, well, won't she turn him into stone too? And here's what Mr. Beaver says. I love this. Lord, love you, son of Adam. What a simple thing to say. Turn him into stone? If she can stand on her two feet and look him in the face, it'll be the most that she can do. And that'll be the most I expect of her. No, he'll put all to rights, as it says in the old rhyme in these parts. Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. And at the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. And when he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. And as I read that to my daughter, who was only seven months old when she lost her sister, she said, Daddy, I wish Aslan would shake his mane because I want it to be spring again. Family, I've got better news than that for you today. I've got better news than that today. We don't need an Aslan. We have a lion. He's referred to in Revelation chapter 5 as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I need you to understand today that the Sermon on the Mount sets us on notice that the lion of the tribe of Judah is on the move. At his birth, the light of the kingdom of God broke into the darkness of our world, and he began to shake his mane. And as he lived a perfect, sinless life of obedience for us, he was shaking his mane. And as he marched up Calvary's hill on that Good Friday, he was shaking his mane. Death and sin thought they had another one. And he laid in that grave all night Friday and all day Saturday and all night Saturday night. But my Bible tells me that early that Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. The lion of the tribe of Judah was shaking his mane and the reign of sin and death was coming to an end. And family, there is even better news because the day is coming and it is a real day when the lion of the tribe of Judah will shake his mane one more time and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Revelation 21 says, death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore because the former things, this time of mourning shall have passed away. And the one who is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who is speaking the beatitude from today is going to say, behold, I make all things new. And he tells John, you write it down because I'm good. My word is trustworthy and true. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Family, I don't know where God finds you today. I don't know where this word finds you today. But if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you can know the comfort of the king right here, right now. You can know his forgiveness right here, right now. You don't have to run from him, and you don't have to try to work for him. You can't earn his forgiveness, and you'll never be able to get away from him. Turn to him now and know the freedom and comfort that he alone can provide. And maybe you're here right now, and you're in the middle of difficulty and suffering right now, and you're like, God, where are you? Would you let yourself be caught up in the reality that because Jesus has come and suffered and died, he's able to offer you grace and mercy to help in your time of need. And because he got up, you have hope on the other side of your difficulty and mourning right here, right 
now? Would you let him today pour out his comfort? Would you allow yourself to cry those tears that you've avoided, to feel that difficulty? Would you allow the people around you to pray over you and minister to you in the midst of that morning and remind you of the comfort that Jesus alone can offer you today? That is our hope. He is our hope. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray together. Father, I give you thanks for your word. And I give thanks that every word that you speak is a true word. And I give thanks that every word that you speak, it goes out and it accomplishes everything that you intend for it to do, Father. And I ask that you would do that right now. Would you bring salvation close to some who have not bowed the knee to you and trusted you and walked into the comfort of the kingdom? Would you draw them to yourselves? And and God, would you come and do work right now? That those of us in the room who are in the middle of mourning and difficulty right now, who are afraid to cry the tear and are afraid to hope again, would you right now pour out your spirit in such a way that we feel the immediate comfort of his presence and the eternal hope of the gospel on us right here, right now. So living God, come and minister to us and speak to us and pour out your spirit on us, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, would you stand? Brian. Thank you for opening your heart to us. Thank you for setting the good news in front of us. That's the preacher's job, is to dazzle us with the gospel and invite us to trust it again. And I, I had so much emotion in my heart while Brian was preaching because I know so many of you and I know so many of the stories. There are so many in this room that are in a season of mourning And I'm also so very aware that I am not aware of all of the stories of mourning that are in this room, but they are many. And the spirit of God is with us this morning. He's the spirit of comfort. The psalmist said, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so before we come to the table this morning, we just need to do work, I think. And so if you would say that that's you this morning, that you're in a season of mourning, and it doesn't matter how long it's been. Maybe it's been a week. Something happened this week that threw your world into a tailspin. It might be that you've been in a season of mourning for years and you just can't find your way out of it. And you're wondering when the morning is going to come. I don't know how long you've been in it and I don't know where you are. But if that's you this morning, you'd say, I'm in a season of mourning. Would you just have the courage to put your hand up real high so that we as a church can pray for you? If you're in a season of sadness, of mourning, there we go. The hands are going up all over the place. And if you're standing around one of these folks, would you just, yeah, cluster up around them? It might be a loss of a marriage. A marriage crumbled this week. It might be the diagnosis that Brian was talking about. It happened this week. It might be that you lost a loved one. You're dealing with the grief and the pain of that. Spirit, now we say, fall like rain fall like rain upon weary hearts. The scripture says that one day you will come and you will put praise on the lips of the mourners in Israel. But the praise can't come unless the comfort comes first. And good news for us is that the comforter is here. And so I pray for every person in this room this morning that's dealing with a marriage that has suddenly come to an end. I'm praying that the spirit of God would sweep in with comfort. I'm praying for all of those in this room who have had their dignity stripped away from them in some way. 
and they're mourning the loss of their dignity, we say, Spirit, sweep in, come in like a flood. Restore dignity, we pray. Restore humanity, we pray praying for all of those in this room that have lost their health in some way and they cannot get it back and it's a pain for them to hold that. We say, Spirit of God, fall like rain. And we also say, bring your healing power in. The scripture says that the power of the Lord one day was present with Jesus to heal the sick. And you said, Jesus, that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, that you'd be there in the midst of them. So we release your power now to heal and to bind up and to deliver and set free. We're praying for all of those who are suffering bereavement, the widows, the widowers, the parents who have lost kids. Spirit, fall like rain. Hallowed be thy name, O God our strong tower, our redeemer, our helper. You are Israel's helper, the church's help in time of trouble. We give our hearts to you. And we remember this morning that you have come to help us, that you've pledged yourself to us forever. We remember before you that on the night that you were betrayed, Lord Jesus, you took the bread and you broke it and you gave it to your disciples and you said, take this all of you and eat. This is my body, it's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, you took the cup saying, drink from this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the remission of sins. Do it whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus Christ, the bread, Jesus Christ, your broken body and your shed blood. That, that, well, you are the comfort of God in person. You've come and you've poured out your life for us. You lived our life, you died our death, and you have been raised to new life again. Everything is taken care of this morning. As we come to the table, we pray that you teach us to trust it again. Jesus, help us, we pray. I wanna invite our servers to come forward this morning to serve communion. As always, communion will be on my right and my left. If you're new with us this morning, our rows will exit row by row towards the center aisle. You'll come forward. The server will put a cracker in your hand. You'll dip it in the cup and then you can take it on your way back to your seat. Brothers and sisters, this isn't an empty symbol. This is the presence of Jesus with us, giving himself to us, his comfort to us in bread and cup and body and blood. He offers himself to us. And so I say to you this morning that these are the gifts of God and they are given for the people of God. Come forward and receive communion.